And you're very welcome to Wade In as we look back on the dizzying highs, the terrifying lows and the creamy middles from the week at Royal Ascot. Sure, I might offend a few of the blue noses with my cocky stride and musky odour. Oh, I'll never be the darling of the racing people who cluck their tongues, stroke their beards and talk about what's to be done with this Hugh cow. We'll stride on, nevertheless. Isn't that right, Kevin Blake? Oh, I love that. That's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, you. Magic week. Magic week. Uh, bloody long week now, but uh, James, there's nothing quite like it. I, 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 love, I love that setup. Great to be back. Yeah. I haven't been back for a couple of years. Um, so great to get sucked back mm. in. Just get reminded about what makes it so magical. Yes. Magical week, Tony Calvin. Even yourself were prone to the joys spilling over from a wonderful week at Royal Ascot. It was. I've oh, enjoyed that the best for years. I thought yeah. it was brilliant. Yeah. brilliant from start to finish. It would have been more profitable if I hadn't had a bet from Tuesday morning onwards because all the money I made was actually post and I steadily <laughs> gave it all the way back throughout, uh, throughout the meeting. But yeah, it was, um, I think it had everything really, really was. Even it's fantastic. Top. Yeah. And listen, well done as well. Racing only better in terms of the pod as well. You had a cracking Saturday, lads. I wasn't, I wasn't done with you, but um, you had a cracking Saturday and a very good week overall, it has to be said. So well done. You know, self-praise is no praise and all that. We don't like to clap ourselves in the back too much, but it, let it be said, we did have a cracking week in terms of uh, tipping up at Royal Ascot. So well done to all of you. One more thing, Kev, I wanted to say to you was... Oh, that, that was almost a bit RTE there, wasn't it? That uh, little pause up, a uh, little bit of an RTE slip up there. Do you want to... Anything you want to say about that, Kev? No? No? At the race, I got, sent a, I got sent a little clip there of you doing your... I'm very good you were all week as well, or whatever. There was a little pause and the thing you were coming back to you and someone else it was, and there was a bit of a delay. Was, Jesus, that was a bit RTE there. I said, what the hell is that that on about? You want to defend yourself? She said, I don't think I said that at all. <laughs> well, that's, that's what the lads heard anyway. I sent you on the clip. For sure, anyway, look, we're on. I got it there as we back it up. <laughs> anyway, look, that's, we'll, we'll kick off with, look, there's loads to talk about. Highs, lows, and middles, as I mentioned. Anyway, I'll send you the clip and you can, laugh, you can tell me yourself something else. It was pretty funny anyway. Um, we're talking about Baid, first of all, Kev. Look, he's now, I think, five to four for the Judmond on the basis of, of what he did. Um, and four to six as well for the Sussex as well. Four to seven for four to six for the Sussex. So, um, uh, you know, there's, there's no value in backing him anymore, which is to be expected uh, given the strength of his performances so far this season. Not everybody agrees, as I heard yesterday, how good this horse is, but certainly for most people, he is world-class. Yeah, sure, look, he's probably a victim of his own excellence, really, isn't he? Um, because he laid down a marker in the lock-inch and wasn't his fault. Uh, nothing really, uh, I suppose, captivating turned up against him uh, last week, and he, he just went down and did his job. He, he, he was brilliant again, but it just... You know, he wasn't asked to go and win 10 lengths. Maybe he could have, maybe he couldn't have, but he wasn't asked to do it. He just went, got the job done with kind of rootless efficiency. Plenty of side, like he hit, he, like he, his closest sections were one of the strongest set of the week, you know. It wasn't, mm. it wasn't like he, it was a piece of work for him. Um, but look, I think with him, he, he is clearly world class. I don't know if he'll be the highest rated horse in the world now after we get the revisions. Um, only nerds are interested, really. But um, there's a horse in America called Flightline that I say will, will might take his mantle for the really? time being, at least. Mm. Yeah, he was very good in America last week. Um, but look, the, the really captivating stuff with him is ahead, you know, going up and trip potentially next time. You know, he could go to the Sussex and stay at a mile, but I have a funny feeling and listening and reading between the lines. Um, go I think, yeah, and the Judmont International might be the place to do it. Um, which would set up a, like a, an absolutely magical contest uh, and a magical prospect. Jeez, I keep saying magical, lads. It tells you the form I'm in. Um, 
So yeah, that's it. Like there's there's not a whole lot else to say about Baid. I think he, he did his thing last week, but uh, I know personally I, I'm more so looking forward to uh you know the the endless possibilities of what happens when he goes up and trip. Yeah, and look, it'll be interesting to see what if he does uh, produce the same level of performance, Tony. But he does add the extra distance in. You know, and I I take the the Baid. You know, I, I guess the view of him over the mile. You look at Coribus, did Coribus or Coribus, whatever he pronounces, um, in terms of his performance again, it was very labored and workmanlike, I thought, at Royal Ascot. Whereas Baid, you just never for one second any doubt that Baid was going to win the race, did you? No, well, obviously, one was even money, the other was six his own. But yeah, I mean, be interesting to see where he does go next. I mean, he is odds on for the Sussex, but as Kev said, reading between the lines, they're talking about looking to slot in uh, Goodwood, which which you say you don't want to be going anywhere near him for the Sussex odds on at the moment. No. Yeah, I mean, as we've said on this on this podcast before, I mean, the fact that he's doing this over a mile, giving his pedigree, you know, full brother to Huckham, etc., loads of loads of stamina in the pedigree, and suggests that York for the judgment is going to be quite something special. And if he does go to the Sussex, I mean, he's going to be meeting some three-year-olds getting plenty of weight, and he might even be meeting some three-year-old fillies getting even more weight. So... Maybe they will keep him fresh and go with the judgment and, uh, and go there. But yeah, be a fascinating prospect. Yeah, which which would be more interesting to see him take on the younger horses with the weight allowance and potentially fillies with even more weight allowance, Kev, or to see him go up and trip and take on the mile and a quarter distance. Which is more interesting in terms of a profile of a horse? <sighs> Both. It's, it's, Both. It's, a, it's a two-headed, yeah. it's a two-headed thing, Hugo. Two-headed, a two-headed mm. thing. Uh, it'd be pretty exciting. I remember the excitement when Frankel finally went up and trip, you know, and the question marks that surrounded it. I don't, I don't think there'd be as much concern for Baid at the trip as as I certainly had for Frankel. Um, but it, it'd be fascinating. Sure, looking if there's a Derby winner there to meet him head on, and and all you know, all the other top ten furlong horses are potentially in the mix for it. So yeah, it's, uh, yeah, could be a could be a proper one. One of the great stages at York too. Love that meeting. Um, it'd yeah, be brilliant. It'd be brilliant. Okay, we'll talk about Caribas then because he's eight to one for the eclipse. And again, you know, he, I guess different views on his performance here. Best three-year-old miler from the Guineas, obviously, and and beating his stablemate Native Trail. I, I don't know. I mean, were people being a bit harsh? Do you think Tony on on Caribas at this time around, or what was your view of him? Um, obviously, he was a, a narrow victory against horses that you know he he had plenty in hand of going into the race, but. Obviously, the big talking story of the race is, is Mal June uh, and the unlucky run that one got. But yeah, again, we've we you know we've discussed the the Guinness form, a native trail under underwhelming in the in the Irish version, Caribus underwhelming again. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's like I said, uh, he's, I think now he, he's got it to prove when he when he when he goes up in goes up in class again because you can't get overexcited about that performance for all, for all he won from a, a difficult draw. Yeah, Vedeni, I think um, nine to four favorite. He has been supplemented. We know that. Yeah, he has been supplemented. You know, he will be. He will be supplemented. He has been. He has been for a little while yet. Yeah. 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 Okay. Very good. Okay. Right. So, um, Broom yesterday on Saturday, I should say. I'm losing track of my days here, but I didn't see the race. Um, Kevin Blake and uh, yeah, Aidan O'Brien. I did listen to the interview afterwards that he gave. Uh, I think to uh, to at the races uh, Sky Racing, but he did say this horse seems to be getting better the older he's getting like he's six years of age now and he's, he was kind of saying like we kind of had high hopes for him as a young lad but the penny only seems to be dropping as the years tick by is that 
That's an interesting thing to say, I thought. Yeah, well, it, it, could, it could be viable as well. Like, this was a good performance. And, you know, just, just talking to Aiden afterwards, like, I think the whole team got a real kick out of it because of, they set out with, with, with a tactic and a strategy in mind to, to basically to, to drag Hurricane Lane into deep water and try and drown him, you know, on, a, on his first run back. Uh, and I think they did that, mm. you know, whether the ground was a factor for Hurricane Lane as well or it was just maybe not the, the, the lack of race fitness, maybe catching him out in the red zone. Uh, whatever it was, it worked. And Broom, like Ryan, just never let the revs down too much, did he? And um, like mm. he was just, he was, he's been brilliant for the last few months, Ryan. Uh, but he was, he was particularly good in this fella. It was, it was a satisfying one. Great result for the podcast. Uh, TC leading the charge. I kind of found yeah. in on, on his coattails. Um, but it, it was a satisfying race to watch. He's, and look, horses like this, that I think he's, he's just won the one group one. Um, and they can kind of get pigeonholed as, as a bit of an early horse. But like he's a very talented individual. And, you know, a mile and a half ridden like this might just be the way to drag the best out of him. So, uh, look, this was a good, this was, you know, he's got to go back up to group one company now. And yeah, I, I, I think whatever happens now, I think all involved got a, got a great kick out of that particular day. It was, it was a, it was a good performance. I, I, I hope you had a nice two quid on Tony Gavin, did you? Yeah. Yeah. Look, I was banging the drum anti post as well. Cause I was, I was totally against when I was, I doubled up because I was massively against hurricane lane for a while, anti post and, and on the day, but I think it was quite interesting that I, mean, I don't think he's appreciated how what good a training performance it was because I think he fractured a shin in uh, Japan, mm. uh, and to get him back there, and how girl was that? Uh, like November, December. November. Well, yeah, it would have yeah. been yeah, November. Yeah, okay. And yeah. Ryan was really effusive afterwards. He said he was like the best feel he's ever given him at six years old. I know, you know, he's got you know deeper waters uh, are coming up for him, but. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be in a rush to underestimate that performance. Um, oh. Yeah, it was like I said. Ryan seemed to think the best feel he's ever given him, considering what's what's happened. That uh, that was high praise indeed. It was, quite, it, was, it was quite cool. You the the vet that treated him out in Japan and oversaw his treatment was actually there on the day. He was at Ascot, and mm. um, they're all cock-a-hoop and the, the horse has Japanese connections anyway. So. It was um, it was great to see some of our international visitors get getting a great kick out of that as well. Well, is State of Rest likely to go for the arc, Kev? I mean, given his uh, his traveling exploits, his passport has more stamps on it than I do at the moment. But I mean, <laughs> we, we spoke briefly on racing only better the day after his performance. Uh, your clips as well were absolutely fantastic watching the race. He was God, exactly as you said, eyeball to eyeball, and come on, see if you can get me. And he absolutely tore them away. It was brilliant to see. He drifted on the day, by the way, which is a, a couple of lads who I've been chatting to and we went for a couple of points to watch it and, and we all backed him and they said, oh God, he's drifting here. Why is he drifting this much? And he went from like nine to two, I think to seven to one very quickly. So we weren't sure, but obviously that turned out to be nothing I was talking to Barry about it last week. He actually hit yeah. in on the exchange at one point. Yeah. Did he? He was, he was, he was nine really? fixed odds. We, wow. we had we had we had nine to one on our screen about kind of fifteen minutes before the off, like and I and not being smart, like but I thought we couldn't really be clearer on Sky. Like someone asked, I think Alex might have asked, you know, Jesus, mm. nine to one. Um, I said like that, that's the wrong price, and he was in the six to one in that stage. I think I thought that was still the wrong price. Um, I, I don't know what drove it. You know, it was yeah, certainly not, it was certainly nothing coming from the inside out. Anyway, uh, uh, the market just took took a took a dislike to it for some reason. But make the point uh, before because when horses drift, when you get a, a, a small race, and Baybridge was so heavily fancied and taking out so much of the market and shortening up, everything ha- everything has to naturally drift. Mm. But, well, yeah, well, well, clearly. 
and clearly at the end he was well back, Tony, because sorry, uh, sorry, no, yeah, just he was well back at the end because he was returned five to one. So clearly a lot of people saw that price drift, took the same view that Kevin did. And hang on, this is all wrong here. And regardless of the drift, the reason why we're going to take the value of the price of the thing because he did return five to one. So he went out and he came back in just before the off. So clearly people. I did yeah. put money on the end. Yeah. I, I gather, I gather one or two um, very influential punters um, might have gotten involved late on. Right. That, that, okay. That, that might have that might have helped squeeze them up a bit. But it was brilliant. Yeah. Ah, look, look. I, I kind of, I, I get a bit, um, I get a bit effusive about this fellow now because I, I, I'm absolutely You're mad entitled about to be. him. And, and how couldn't you be mad about him? Like, like any time he's got his nose in front of the race, he's he's gone and won. You know, he's won with, with a little bit of luck. He'd, he'd have five group ones, won in five different countries in his last five starts. Like, that's highly unusual. Again, to do it in the Prince of Wales is, um, you know, with a complete change of tactics. Like, as far as I know, he's never made the running in a piece of work, never mind a race, you mm-hmm. know. But it was decided to take the chance, given rather than risk getting bottled up in a steadily run race. And look, he, he was meeting the highest rated 10 furlong horse in the world in, in Bay Bridge. And he beat him fair and square, you know, and, I, and Shane thought he was idle in the, in the final furlong. You know, mm-hmm. I, I thought it was a fantastic performance. And he, he is just, he is nails. Yeah. And I may, hey, maybe we've got him wrong the whole way. Maybe, maybe he's the front runner. <laughs> but it was, geez, it was sweet. That was a, because that was he, I, but I do remember when you were previewing the race, Kev, you were saying tactically it's going to be fascinating. Like who's going to, who's going to set it up for who? Because who's going to be the front runner? And, and say the rest just went and did it. Like, this might change Joseph's view on how they set up, or, or will it? I don't know. Yeah, well, like, you have to remember, like, he came from pretty much last to first in a Cox Plate, you know, a, a race with, with a, you know, you know, with a ridiculously short straight, like, literally a furlong of a straight. Like, so yeah. he's, he's definitely got plenty of pace. But, you know, I think he, his other attributes, you know, I don't think you want to be too far away with him, ideally. Um, and it, it was just brilliant like it was an easy race to watch like Shane was was fabulous on him you know a high high pressure yeah, ride yeah. Uh, and and he absolutely nailed it you know Bay Bridge was never too far away from him so despite you know Shane being able to set um, relatively steady fractions like it's not like Bay Bridge was a mile off him so you know for me it was fair and square every day of the week and I I, I, I back him to, to uphold that form going forward your any day you like your missus must be getting quite um Worried, actually. You think you're going to divorce her and move state arresting to your, your master bedroom? <laughs> yeah, well, I'll tell you, um, uh, Deirdre was, was actually there on the day now, so it was great to be able to enjoy it with her now because that was as that was as um, as sweet a day as I've had in the game now. And thankfully, there's been some sweet ones along the way, but for for yeah. a variety of reasons, that was that was particularly brilliant. I won't say magic again, but uh, yeah, it went down into the night as well into the car. Because the thing is, there's a whole like the horse has been fully syndicated already in Ireland and in Australia, and a whole bunch of his Australian shareholders were over, and a whole bunch of his Irish shareholders were over, and like like the the amalgamation there was it, it may as well have been like a fifty member syndicate that that only yeah. one winner because that's that's the level of people that were there that were like heavily financially committed into it and emotionally committed. So it, it was a huge day for an awful lot of people. Catherine Cashman was there just to give one specific name the 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 matriarch of Rat Barry Stud where he's going to stand next year you know a lady that's seen everything in the game um, she lost her husband Liam oh god it was probably just more than 10 years ago now a real legend and she hasn't been racing much since Liam died and she was there with her son Paul you would have seen her in the winner's enclosure and the pictures there and she was absolutely bouncing around the place it was, it was mad. And everyone, you know, on, on, on Irish racing level, everyone was so happy for Shane because he's a very popular fella, like impossible not to like him. 
Um, so yeah, I, I we could spend the whole podcast talking about this lad, but I'll, I'll, I'll allow you to move on, lads. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, for those if, if you the author Sunday Times, or you might be able to get it online if you subscribe to it. Uh, Don McLean did a very good piece with Shane Cross uh, yesterday in the Sunday Times, and it's Not well really. worth read. It's well worth reading. It's about state of rest and about Shane as well. So, and um, delighted for him. Um, also, um. I, just on a personal point of view, I had a very good day myself last on Friday. I told us in the group there, I had a four-timer on a Friday, which was uh, meditate in spiral, changing of the guard of perfect power. What's where is wonderful for me, Tony Calvin? I tell you what, I bought some amount of drink in the pub that day. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was with my money because I did absolute bollocks on in spiral. <laughs> I, I was like, I was, I was laying. Um, luckily, I didn't chase you all out to three to one, but I got, an, I got filled up about at three point one five and three point two. Up with about three full furlongs to go, I was thinking, lovely, got the money here. And then it just went into overdrive. That was a deeply impressive performance. I mean, we were spoiled all week. Yeah. Again, coming back from coming back from a big absence like that against, you know, we had group one winners in third, fourth and fifth mm. uh, and obviously a good American filly in second to do what she did. Uh, oh, yeah. Final two furlongs. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, from a non-believer to a believer, from a from a non-payer to a payer. Yeah, that uh, that was incredibly impressive. That was probably bordering on my performance of the week, given all that had gone before and the problems she's had in the spring. And, and the problems that she could have potentially had in running, TC, I, I have to say, I watched her, right? And I was I was glued to her. Mm. And I was cursing Frankie to do her. The first oh. I was like, get her out of that fucking position. Where is he? Why has he got her in there? Why is he at the back? Look at the amount of trouble in front of him. And all I could think of was what happened the previous day with Stradivarius. Yeah. And Frankie was going to make an absolute balls of it again. I said, I would, if this dog would, makes a balls of this, I'm going to kill him. But when you said, well, we'll touch on it, I, said, I was doubly gutted. I needed to pay out. I wanted to see Gustin. If he, if he didn't get out of that, <laughs> start, I would have liked to see post-race interview on the Friday. Yeah. yeah. That one up, yeah. Yeah, well, I, I tell you what, it wouldn't have been worth hearing John Gosman I'd say he would have had the had the hung drawn and quarter machine ready to go, Kevin Blake. But Frankie did really well to get her up to win. He weaved in and out like bumper cars at one stage, Dodgem's getting in and out, and she, the class of the horse, took him there. Yeah, that, that was one of the most spectacular performances of the week for sure. And like like the pace was actually looking at it subsequently, the pace was kind of more even than, than I thought it might have been. Having watched the race, yeah, um, but like she was left with plenty to do. Like she, she, she did a funny thing early on. Like she was a little, she, she missed the kick and she was a little bit, little bit lit up. And there's a bit of a ridge there after a furlong or two, and she seemed to kind of take a funny step over it. So like things were going wrong, um, and like she had plenty to do. And Frankie, like you say, in fairness to Frankie now, and I give him plenty of stick, um, like he'd had a horrific couple of days, really, especially the day before. And you know he's an emotional fella. And like I, I always say it before the race, like you, you don't really want, you don't need to be on a filly having her first run, likely to be fresh, was quite free going at times last year. The last thing you want to be is a bit anxious or a bit angry or yeah. a bit nervous going out on a horse like that. Like because horses will pick things up from people like uh, through the reins, like just their demeanor. Um, I read something really cool there a while ago, but that horses can sense a person's heart rate you know, from a few feet away, like, and they'll respond to it because like, they're just, they're, they're fear filled animals at the best of times. If they think you're anxious, it'll make them anxious. So it's the last thing you'd want is to be a bit wound up going out in the filly like her. And the decision he made turning in, I thought was kind of a market of man, really. And we, you know, we don't need to say anything about Frankie. We know how brilliant he is, but to, to go in rather than kind of go safety first 
around the wide outside to be sure he got a clear run after everything that had come before in the previous 24 hours you would have forgiven him for wheeling around and cost himself a length or two maybe in doing it but he did the right thing by the horse he went back in um you know played for a bit of luck went the shorter way and and i suppose fortunately the gap opened and he like you know acres of horse underneath him to, to go and do the, do the job but she was brilliant Holness song is brilliant let's start the campaign now as we want to see these two fillies butt heads and we don't want to wait all year to see it they're two proper ones they're going to be both going to be rated 120 plus which is um which is a big number for three-year-old filly halfway through the season they're two proper ones and so exciting know, so exciting but give me give me give me one kev i said you're right you know gun to your head now here on spiral or homeless songs head to head race. Up, what about Neva? What about Nashua coming back to a mile? She Ooh, Holly Doyle yesterday. She's got loads of pace. Obviously, won the uh, won the French Oaks yesterday. Um, yeah, like that in, in class terms, would she be there with the other two? Do you think? Yeah. Yeah, Ooh, she's 20 right. to one you, for the arc now. 20 to one for the arc. You, you get you get a fair price for your money if the three of them met at CTC. But yeah. so I, I, it could it could happen. Like there's kind of three. There's kind of three staging posts in Europe for three-year-old fillies over a mile now. There's the Falmouth, there's the pre-Rothschild at Deauville, and the Matron at Leopardstown. And she looked, it might, it might just pan out that they that they end up not meeting. You know, Homer Songs wants a bit of an ease in the ground, but it could happen. Uh, I'll tell you what, wouldn't it be magic if it did? Inspiral uh, for me. I'm, I'm a huge Homer Songs fan, you know, but Inspiral for me, what she did on Friday was just jaw-dropping, I thought. I yeah. think I'd favour Inspiral as well. But, oh, yeah. but, oh, Jesus, tight. Mm. Mm. TC? Uh, yeah, I mean, like I say, I, I, I think Nashua, obviously she, she she hung on yesterday. And obviously Holly Doyle, we might come to her again in a moment as well. But yeah, I, I think that Philly is loads of pace. When she won over Haydock earlier in the season, it will be in a much lesser grade. She's got loads of gears. Yeah, I, mm. I, I there's not much between them. Okay, well, let's talk about um, Perfect Power I mentioned as well. My little four-timer Friday, I won't mention that anymore. Uh, four to one from eight to one now for the July Cup. And you have Artorias in there, 12s uh, from 20 to one. Uh, no, it's actually seven to one now. Seven to one Artorias for the July Cup as well. So um, Perfect Power I thought was very good, you know, as well on that far side. Battled all the way. Brilliant ride given as well. What do you think, TC? Uh, no, 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 it didn't really do it for me. I mean, Artorias, I mean... Kev must have been pulling his hair out on, on Saturday. Um, the more you look at that race, Artorias, the more, you know, the, he, he should have been winning that race as well. I mean, the margins between victory and defeat all week, especially in the handicaps and stuff like that, oh. don't get a clear run at it. I mean, obviously there's hard luck stories by the dozen all week. If you don't get these races are so competitive, if you don't get an uninterrupted clear run, then, you know, the smallest margins you're going to do. And, you know, the Artorias is, I mean, I've actually backed him at 10s this morning for the July Cup. I mean, nature strips going back home. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, and apparently Artorias is, is they're looking to stay. The more, you know, you look at that July Cup, there's not many in there are going to are going to scare you. Maybe Twilight Calls will go there, you know, run up to nature strip. But, yeah, I mean, Artorias, um, you know, we well, obviously we saw what nature strip did and, no, you know, home affairs disappointed, but yeah, um, as a retrieval mission, um, yeah, I mean, tens is massive, and I think the sports book are, are on the right lines, but offering only sevens, yeah, yeah, it was, one of, it was one of those. TC, like when you, when you watch his videos in Australia, you're not, you know, he did what you kind of expect him to do because that's just the type of horse he is, like, he doesn't really travel early and he comes home. 
And like I thought Spencer didn't do anything wrong, but he, he's at the mercy of what's happening in front of him. And just that little check, you know, that was probably the difference. Um, but he, he's he's run a belter in fairness. Um, July Cup, I'd be slightly worried in that, you know, it's a faster six. Mm. Like I'd say if he were mine, like I'd nearly be tempted to go for um, like a Morris de Geese over six and a half and then maybe a foray over seven. Mm. You know, something like that. But I could see why they'd go for the July Cup. In terms of yeah. class, nothing in that race will scare you. Not, not yeah. anyway. Oh, okay. Interesting. We'll see where they all end up. But uh, quite a few uh, movers and shakers in the July Cup market over the last uh, week. So, right, let's talk about Meditate. Um, 12 to 1 for the uh, 1,000 guineas um, for next season. I, you know, again, a, a horse that um, I saw this horse at Nace, uh, Kevin and the Royal Ascot Trials Day, uh, beat um, a horse called Wadeo. Uh, of Justin Cardi and another um, reasonable horse as well, but looks to be getting better and better with each stride. And again, Aidan O'Brien, I, I think after they said, look, he, you know, she's just get a little bit lazy, does does enough, you know, without ever kind of really putting out and out of performance there. But mm. I thought in terms of scope for improvement, this horse could be very exciting. Yeah, I think so. Like she, she's sharpened up kind of every day and in all of her runs, you know, her final furlong has been particularly strong. Yeah. It looks like it might be, might be all on it, you know, ready for a big battle. And then and just, she just kind of forges clear laid on. Um, she's a lovely filly. Like, look, she, she was very good here, but I'd say she'd be one that will certainly stay seven and maybe even the mile in the fullness of time. Like she's by Noni, but you know, she's out of a Dalacani mare. There's there's plenty of stamina back along. So like could she be a thousand guineas filly for next year? I say she'll have a good chance. But um yeah, she's she's climbing. And you know, in the in the in the build up to this race, all the talk was about Statuette who didn't end up running. I tell you if she's as good as this one, she'll be all right, because the, the this one's a very smart filly. Yeah, really impressed, Tony Calvin. Yeah. Um it's another interesting one. It was a late market correction because all the money was for Morge and Meditate drifted to a nine to two plus, and there was late money for her and yeah, like Kev said, this I think there's enough stamina in the, in the pedigree. So, I mean, she's a half sister to a mile four winner, albeit that one was by Galileo. So maybe shouldn't be too too hard and fast. It, this pedigree is more speed and stamina, but there, there's enough there's enough in there to, to suggest she'll, she'll get a mile down the line next year. What's the story with Holloway Bay, um, gents? I, this one passed me by in terms of uh, the 2000 Guineas picture for next season. Uh, 50 to one for that, 40 to one for the Derby. Yeah. Uh, well, so it's a funny one, wasn't it? There's a good, there's a good story. Like the, the, they only ran them because they wanted tickets to get to get the owners and trainers tickets. Brilliant. <laughs> they've been let the down. They've, they've been yeah. let down for a box. They're supposed to be getting the box. They've been invited to a box and it didn't work out. So they, so they stuck them in and declared them to get to get the allowance of owners it was, and trainers um, badges. It was honestly it was, for me. It was a story of the week. I mean, the owner, the owner was obviously cock a hoop, and he probably let out more than he should have done. So. <laughs> Yeah, no, but, um, and the, the, the really strange thing about it is, even though you know, unraced and uh, it went off at 40 to one, it was really well, well backed on, on, on Betfair as well. And anyone offer a Betfair SP of 42, so someone somewhere thought it was okay. But obviously, the, the striking thing about that market was a, was a, was a late weakness in Alfred Munning, so again, very much mm. like a bridge dominating the market. When that moves, when that moves out, everything else comes in, but. Yeah, it was um, it was an absolutely brilliant interview. That I'm, I'm not sure what it was on Sky Sports Racing or ITV, but yeah, uh, that's what we love—a bit of honesty. 
What happened? Yeah. I didn't see the race, Kevin. What happened to Alfred Munnings as well, Kevin? Talk about Holloway Bay. Because I saw the results and I was just, wow, that was a real shock to me. Go on. Yeah, he was disappointing. He was disappointing. But look, I suppose if you want to be, if you know, it sounds a bit revisionist, but, you know, the form of his maiden had been working out brilliantly. Um, you know, he, he was a late drifter. Uh, he was just disappointing you. It was a funny race now. It was run at mm. a funny sort of a tempo, I'd say. Um, like the winner, and I know it sounds like massive aftertime, but I had loads of, uh, there was plenty of eyewitnesses there. There was a bunch of us watching these horses in the, in the pre-parade ring. And I saw the winner about three different times. They didn't didn't have numbers on them at that stage. You know, I kept going, what's that? What's that? He's actually a really nice looking horse. Yeah. Obviously, look, you couldn't you couldn't back him. Of course you couldn't. I'm sure some people did, but like he's actually he's a really nice individual, like really good moving, good walking horse. Um, you know, being by Ulysses to win this early and win a Cheshire first time out, like I'd say he could be very nice. How much mm. how much record now be offering private sale? Uh yeah, I'd say you, you might need a million plus anyway. Would <laughs> you? Would you? Would you? Would, yeah, yeah, wow. yes. you wouldn't believe the money that's changing that hands be, for, 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 for trying horses at the minute. Straight out of my hand, the thing I do, sell it for a, over a million, and every time it runs, just about 50 grand on it. <laughs> yeah, Unreal. I'd say, I know, and I was speculating, I don't, don't take this too seriously now, but I, I suspect, um, kind of be, being aware of these things, that it, it could be Hong Kong that's kind of really comes knocking for him. Um, wow. Uh, and they'd be, they're very strong at the minute. Like the, the money that's paid for tried horses at the minute is just absolutely wild, wild. Um, oh, and look, you win a Cheshire, you win, you win a Cheshire first time out, and yeah, that's pretty. That's a very marketable thing. And like I say, physically, he's a, he's a passion horse. In fairness, well, if, well, if Crypto yeah. Force can go for nine hundred grand last Monday, and this horse go for for a million after winning the Cheshire first time up, yeah, and that, that wow. might be that might be conservative now. If you get two lads that really like him, yeah, you're away in a hack. But I tell you, I, I want to make mention of the of the second queue, um, okay. John, O'Donoh- John O'Donoghue, uh, first season training. He was assistant to Roger Varian uh, for a few years. He's come over and he's now he now trains out of John Ox's old yard. Um, you know, obviously a very, very famous yard. Um, and this was his first Ascot runner. And oh God, I thought he was going to do it. I thought he was going to do it. He yeah. looked the winner for me all over. And he just started to wander a little bit in front, got a bit lonely. Um, you know, the, the, the pace was collapsing a shade and he just got nutted. But... Um, John O'Donoghue, remember the name, I'd say we're going to be hearing plenty of it. And this would have been a, a dream start to have an Ascot winner. It went under the radar a bit now, um, but it, this, this this is a lovely horse um, mm. and we'll be seeing more of him for sure. Excellent. Okay, brilliant. Um, changing the guard in terms of the ledger picture, uh, guys, changing the guard seven to one um, from 12s. Now you have uh, oh. Elder Alderoff six to one from 16. Um, of those two, well, Secret State's in there as well, but of those two mainly, changing the guard and Elder Alderoff, Either appeal to you in terms of the ledger market? We, we better no. mention that the King Edward just because <laughs> how agonizing was the defeat for Grand Alliance. Oh, good God, I felt so sorry for him. Like Ryan went out and just again, like not dissimilar right to what he gave, um, what he gave Broom. He just went out and set out to be merciless. Like he gave a he gave a very the horse a very similar ride to Chester, just went out, tried to drag him into deep water and drown him. And he hadn't quite drowned Grand, Grand Alliance. Unfortunately for him, I'm sure he was he was the winner all over, and he just chucked it away, hung left, chucked it away. Best horse on the day, no doubt. 
Um, he's an absolute quirk bag. I think by all accounts, listening to, to Charlie Fellows, he, yeah. he never traveled the yard in the derby for him. They put the visor on him here. Um, like, by, oh, Lord, there's a lot of talent in there. And oh, was, he was a good thing beat now. And you could, the interview with Charlie Fellows afterwards on the sky was just heartbreaking. because You could tell he was trying to hold it together and, and be, be fair to everyone. But you could just tell he was absolutely gutted. And yeah. I was got I was gutted for him now because as TC has alluded to, like it's so hard to have a winner here, um, so hard. Um, never mind in a, in a group one of the group twos, and you have the best horse, and you come within a nose despite hanging all the way across the track. Oh, this game. Yeah, TC. Yeah, no, there's nothing more to add there. I mean, as as regards, let you know, not really. Um, okay, okay. To see what comes out the Irish Derby this weekend, if. If West, you suspect if Westover goes for pinpointing pinpointing at Donny, then you know, he'll be a very short price favourite. But no, none of none of those particularly float my boat at this stage for the legend. Okay, all right. Kiprius obviously uh, did the business in the old. Uh, I'll, I'll give it its two and a half mile division. I won't uh, use the bumper <laughs> turn again. But look, it, it, the big story after this was was what happened, and let's just move on from the racing as such and talk about maybe more matters off the track or at least uh, parallel to the track. But the big story was was John Gosden and. Um, the owner of Stradivarius, his name escapes me, have what they've said post-race in their comments about Frankie Dettori. And I guess why it, it, it just uh, took people by surprise, Kevin Blake, is because you just don't see it that often. That You know, a trainer is so forthright in what they clearly feel was the jockey making an absolute bags of a race. And, <laughs> you know, because it's Stradivarius and because he's so well-loved by people, for whatever reason, and because he was going for the record equal or break or whatever along with Yates, that, um, I, I don't know, I think... John Gosden's frustrations got the better of him, or maybe they didn't. Maybe he was perfectly tight to say what he said. But what did you make of what happened after the race? I thought John Gosden's analysis was perfectly fair. Yeah. Um, like like Fra- what Frankie did there, kind of going past the winning post first time, was was hard to rationalise. Um, I'd love to hear kind of his his kind of personal assessment of it, because he seemed to be in a perfectly fine position. Then he decided to back out of it uh, and, and drop back a few lengths and just left himself... You know, he, he'd Ryan kind of man-marking him the whole way on his outside, which is the last thing he would have wanted. And look, there was the scope turning in for it to go badly wrong, and, and it did. And and look, there's been kind of frustrations have, have boiled to the surface publicly with this horse a few times, you know, after this race last year, you know, after the, the champion staying race uh, on Champions Day last year, you know, the, 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 this horse just puts him under pressure a bit. Um, because because they love him and he has his, he has you know history's been at his fingertips a couple of times and they they're not necessarily going to get many more goals with him because him being the age he is and and, and this might have been one that got away or he certainly didn't get his fair chance to go and get it if you know what I mean Kiprias might have beaten the man away but you couldn't say that Stradivarius um, got the chance to show his very best on the day. And she looked at, I suppose, the, 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 the tone of it and, and the, the, the cutting nature of it, as well as patronizing nature of it in places, was quite, um, people were quite taken aback by it because it's unusual. But look, it was honest. Um, we're always talking, we want to hear more honesty from jockeys and trainers. Like this, was, this, was as, this was as straight as it gets. It was quite, it was, it, it was quite surprising. But hey, didn't it make for riveting television? And are we talking about it now? <laughs> what really surprised me is about the, the amount of journalists who went on there saying, "Oh, that's out of order" and stuff like that. In any other any other sport, there'd be rubbing their hands at, at content like that to get stuck into, and it's it's just it's just very odd, isn't it? I mean, 
you suspect, I mean, two things, uh, uh, two, two things occurred to me. And it, I don't know, I, I might link, uh, maybe linking it to Wesley Ward not using Frankie this year as well. And clearly there's some undercurrent there. I mean, I'd be very, very surprised if there wasn't, you know, there wasn't some kind of like friction going into their race. The one thing that really surprised me as well, how many rides do you think, including Royal Ascot, and this staggered me when I looked this morning, how many rides has Dottori had in 2000, uh, this year? How many rides in total? Yes, in total. In, t- in 2022, how many rides has Dottori had, including Royal Ascot? I'd say God, less than 30. I just checked. <laughs> less than 30. Less than 30. 30. <laughs> 87. Yeah. In the whole of the year, name me another top... Well, he, doesn't, he doesn't ride any of anything but no, the major no, no, race. Name me another top-level sportsman who's operating at the premier level with, with so with so little kind of like day-in, day-out experience. I mean, to put that into context, Ryan Moore has ridden 72 rides in Ireland this season. Dottori, 87 in the whole of 2022 on his home ground. I mean, that is... I, I was absolutely staggered there. I mean, Holly Doyle, she's 550-odd rides. I mean, it's... Whether or not, okay, so 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 okay, so so what you're seem to be hinting at here to see if I'm reading it correctly is that this guy, obviously talented as he is and brilliant as he has been in over the years, is riding sweet FA at the moment, and maybe that ring rustiness, which refer to a boxer or you know, in terms of an athlete, rustiness generally might be coming into play in terms of maybe some of the big races. Obviously, you went for 30. I mean, Kevin, did that surprise you the amount of rides he's actually had? It did, but I suppose you look at the last few years, like 2021 total in the UK, he won 94 the year before, 160. Like it's, it's probably like it is like particularly inactive for a top jockey, but I suppose he has been doing it probably for the last few years, like picking and choosing. I've heard him say before that he, he feels it kind of it's going to give him more longevity, you know, not to be grinding the whole time. But, kind of, you know, being in the gym and looking after himself rather than being on the road the whole time. There's some logic to it. And sure, look, when he's, when he's flying, people will look at him and go, ah, sure, isn't, you know, isn't it, that must be the right thing to do. Fair play to him, he's keeping himself fresh. But when it's going bad, you know, people will put the other spin on it. Ah, sure, look, his eye isn't in at all. You know, he's not right enough. Look, I suppose if it works for him, it works for him. Um, but look, when you if you don't have a big team of, of Group 1 horses at your disposal, um, and he's been a... I dare say a little bit quiet on that front this year. I'm just looking at Group 1 winners this year. Lord North, Country Grammar in Dubai and in Spiral um, last week. That's it. Three Group 1 winners so far this um, calendar year. Just the other thing is, I mean, I'm very surprised that some journalists who actually, you know, again, just saying about the Gosden coming out and uh, and actually telling, you know, telling it as he, as he well, as it is or how he, how he viewed it. Um, look, journalists shouldn't be shouldn't be saying, "Oh, don't you know, keep it quiet and things like that." You shouldn't be doing that. I mean, silence is bad in any other sport. I mean, we had the incident Kevin kind of like alluded to it earlier about what happened with Frankie after Stradivarius got beat with Dylan Brown Monocle at Ascot in October. I mean, we had collective blindness, stroke, amnesia from all the press there. there that that meeting was covered by four different uh, TV stations, Racing UK. Sky Sports Racing, ITV, Royal Ascot TV, roving reporters everywhere, and nobody saw Frankie giving out to Dylan all throughout from the course to the walkway to the to the to the weighing room. 
mean, we shouldn't we shouldn't be kind of like we shouldn't be kind of advocating silence or big stories. So if you're just saying, oh yeah, that was out of order for Gosden to slate Frankie in public, then you've got to call out stories and not ignore not no big stories about the same jockey about about yeah. Okay. Yeah, we say it, we say it all the time. You know, in danger of repeating ourselves, like, but it is a big drawback of racing in terms of attracting uh, a new audience. In that our personalities show so little personality a lot of the time. You know, and there there is there is so little scope for for jockeys and trainers to actually show us who they are and to and to speak their mind, etc. Because it's a game built around um, various dependencies. You know, if you upset your owner, you're in trouble. If you if a jockey upsets the trainer, they're in trouble. You know, it can cost them, you know, a big part of their livelihood. So a lot of yeah. them just saying just saying nothing. Well, um, and it'd be better for the game if everyone could speak a bit more freely. Well, I I can't I couldn't help but notice as well. Ryan Moore, just to move on a little bit, Ryan Moore obviously riding out of his skin at the moment and and then really has been banging in the winners, Tony. And you mentioned this year as well. You know, he's he's been a lot more giving with interviews as well, not just uh, obviously you deal with them in terms of the uh, the column for Betfair, but in, notably in front of television cameras and in front of um, radio interviews as well. He's just been a lot uh, more giving uh, on a lot of different horses. And, you know, it's, it's interesting. I don't know, is it a coincidence that he seems to be riding so well, given his more laid-back attitude or more forthright attitude? It's just, I think it's great to see. I've mentioned it on Wading before, and we've spoken about it. There was a massive difference when I started dealing with him this season in March and April. Um, yeah. Answering text straight away, calling me up, you know, really just saying, no, we, we need to add a bit more flesh to this and things like yeah. that. And he just seems a more, you know, and this is before what happened to his uh, his brother, Josh, who's, you know, there were some more positive updates uh, over the weekend from from Ryan and, and, and Josh's mother. And that was before that. So whether or not, I wouldn't just, you know, people just saying, oh, that's playing into it as well. Um, no, I, I, I saw... A big difference before you know at the start of the season, and it, and it's coming out in all the interviews and, and things like that. I mean, everyone seems to be commenting. I mean, I, mean, I don't know if, if Kev was did any interviews with him or Sky Sports Racing, but he just seems a much more open character. And we've we've mentioned it about Aiden's come out of his skin this this season. Um, mm-hmm. Like a stout, famously reticent, coming out and doing really good stuff on racing TV. Yeah, Rishi uh, Pasarich, It's it just it just it just seems, you know, really, a really, he's in a really good place. I mean, actually, I think he rode probably one of the worst races at the festival in Wordsworth for getting into a, a, a pace battle with Nate the Great. But I mean, obviously, he's riding at the top of his skin. Whether or not that lasts, we shall soon see him. But yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, well, he, he had a brilliant, he seems in a, just a, in a brilliant place at the moment and a, and a really good headspace. Okay, a couple of more uh, points to talk about, gents, before we uh, wrap up here. Um, you were quite um, strong and, um, forthright on your views about what Paul Hannigan did on the Riddler, Kevin, in terms of coming across the track and the danger that that presented and the risks that the, the, a riding like that presented as well. Look, I know you've said what you've said and, um, you know, the, the attitude in the UK is at direct odds with how that would be treated elsewhere. Uh, will anything change, though, do you think? Is anything likely to change or, or, or is this going to be continued frustration that those types of rides, that those type of manoeuvres will not get the punishment that uh, they deserve. Uh, well, sure. Look, Freddie Talicki had been put in a wheelchair for the rest of his life wasn't enough to instigate some change. When Freddie yeah. had to go to the law courts to get some justice and get, uh, got it against all the odds, that seemingly wasn't enough to instigate any change. So is Paul Hannigan knocking a few over at Royal Ascot 
um, going to instigate any change. I fear not. It just seems it just seems so illogical to me, Hugh, because that, that's mortifying. Surely, seeing scenes like that on the biggest stage when you know the whole race in the world is watching that meeting. You know the world pool, people betting on it, and they see that, and it is what it is. It's horrific viewing. They hear subsequently that he got a ten day ban. You know, and I'm blue in the face, really. Like Ireland and the UK are absolute outliers in the in the in the, the civilized world of racing in terms of how they treat things like that. That's yeah. a ten day offense <laughs> in the UK and Ireland. You know, it's it's a it's a three, four, five, six week offense any place else, really. Um, and it, it just it just bamboozles me because surely it's in everyone's interest. You know, the jockeys themselves. The trainers, the owners, the betting public. I, I can't think of anyone whose interest is not in, right, to have cleaner racing and to avoid incidents like that. And like it, it's happening constantly. And to me, like there, there was a lot of talk about, oh, he should have been disqualified, etc. I don't necessarily agree. Although I think that's it, it would potentially solve your problem, but I don't think it's the right way to solve your problem. You know, for yeah. me, you have to you have to tackle the jockeys. These are decisions mm. that jockeys are making. If you punish them heavily for riding like that, I just don't think it'll happen very much. And we won't have the debate about disqualifications and you know, fundamental fairness. You know, heavy, heavy punishments for jockeys will drastically reduce things like that. And that solves all the other related problems. Um, yeah, and it just, and it just, finally, it just frustrates me so much. And we had a little bit on social media, some senior, senior jockeys coming out, you know, heavily resistant. I got a bit of stick there from from one senior jockey in particular. It's just bamboozling to me because how like utterly brainless do you have to be to 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 not see this for what it is? You know, this isn't about attacking jockeys and questioning their competence. It's about looking after the the long term um, health and safety of their work environment. You know, that's the ultimate concern here and the horses as well, because I, I fear because of, you know, so much has happened and that none of it has been enough to change. Like you almost wonder, like either that jockey needs to get killed or a high profile horse needs to get killed. And geez, the way society is now, maybe a high profile horse getting killed would have more impact than a, than a jockey getting killed, which is absolutely ridiculous. But, mm. you know, you, you do wonder what it's going to take because God, God only knows we've seen more than enough to justify change at this stage and it hasn't come yet. Okay. Quickly, some of the resistance comes from past jockeys as well. I mean, on ITV, Jason Weaver said, oh, I think he'll get five days. I mean, what are you looking at there to say you get five days? I mean, I don't know anybody, you know, publicly or privately doesn't suggest that that wasn't dangerous. I mean, like Kev said, you don't need to have a fall to actually validate you know, your opinion that, that was was dangerous. Clearly was dangerous. So, mm. yeah, something, something's going to have to change now. Yeah, and, and quickly, Hugh, just one point that I, I had in my head to make constantly and I kept forgetting. To, to sum this up, right, everyone saw that incident. They saw how severe it was. The stewards have available to them a scale of punishment from two days for, for minimal careless riding up to 28 days as the maximum ban under dangerous riding. They essentially scored this a 10 out of 28. Mm. You know, what does the yeah. 28 have to look like if a 10 yeah. looks like that? Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Good point. Um, right. Before we move on, TC, I was thinking to myself, and you didn't seem overly impressed by this, but if you had a euro on the play spot on Saturday at Royal Ascot, you'd be <laughs> 72 grand richer. 
I was going, Christ, I regularly do the place for Christ, but you imagine the lads. If I'd have been a Euro, I would have been very positive about it. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, there you go. If you were still alive with... after the first race with Holloway Boy. Exactly, so. exactly. So there you go. I mean, look, obviously, look, that, that was a bit of a car crash day in terms of punters there, and, and the results were what it was. But in terms of the total overall, TC, yeah, um, yeah what, you, you wanted to make a point? No, actually, the actual the, the total involvement in the world pool, my yeah. Actually, a bit more harmonisation about about the, uh, the interference rules, but no, my, my main point was um, I, I think well, I said it on Twitter, and obviously I got a few texts from people from the table, etc. I just thought there's there's real blurred lines going on here about paid for content and actually kind of like you know justified journalism because we have a situation whereby I mean, I, like I say, I am puzzled. Obviously, Sky Sports Racing they're sponsored by the Tote. Uh, that uh, Royal Ascot coverage was. And I, I'm, I don't know where people are coming from. I, for example, ITV Racing uh, give all the, the tote play spot returns out. And, and, if, and, and if the SP um, is bigger than the tote return, they just show the SP rather than that. I mean, I'm a bit perplexed about that. I mean, obviously, the, the tote have been paying a lot of journalists to actually cover, the, cover that, which is actually fine. It, you know, yeah. you that interest that is actually brilliant. We've all got our money. We all work for bookmakers. Yeah. We work for Betfair, etc. But I mean, you get the situation whereby people coming out of the woodwork actually just saying, "Oh yeah, we, you know, you know." Some all, all of a sudden, some Damascene, you know, revelation that you know they, they they're playing exotics and quinellas, etc. I mean, there is a fact that you know the tote are actually paying some journalists to actually. You know, giving a free bets, etc., which is actually fine. But I just think I'm, I'm, and I've said this to people from the tote as well. So I'm not talking out of school here, and I'm, etc. I'm a bit uncomfortable about not knowing journalists if they're actually saying what they're saying because they've been paid, or they're saying what they're saying because they actually think it's a really good betting proposition. Now, what I would say this is not anti-tote because some of the some of the figures coming out about the tote are actually mind blowing. Uh, it's good for the sport if it grows the sport and it brings more money in which it will do then so much the better I just want a bit more transparency about what the total are doing okay. editorially advertorially and with, and with and with the press it's just, yeah, on gen, just on a general point you like, I, like I, I'm a big fan of the world pool in fairness um, like as a concept right. you know I, I thought that the co-mingling you know, of toad pools like it has had so much potential for you know well over a decade and I think the people at the helm now you know are really on it like there, and it seems to be growing the whole time. And ITC says like there almost be unintended positive consequences. I think because of that extra scrutiny that it puts on British racing and Irish racing now, which has which has whirlpool days as well, because it just it, it, I think it magnifies some of our shortcomings. You know, such as the 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 interference rules and other aspects that, they, you know, things that we go on about all the time, but you sound like you're, you may as well be talking to a wall at times, but when they can finally now see the, the bottom line, you know, the financial benefit to, in terms of doing things right and being an attractive betting product to other jurisdictions, you know, I think it might just speed up a bit of progress in the game. So, so I couldn't be more for it. Um, I should look to when you see payouts like that, like the place pot's a wonderful bet. Um, mm. And it's great to see payouts like that, and hopefully it attracts more people. Yeah. Just very finally, I said, no, I'll just say I'm not anti. I've, I've got quite a few days, so I'm going to look into it because you know mm -hmm. I, I will get involved, but it won't be because I'm paid to do so. Okay, just finally, well done to Holly Doyle, obviously yesterday. Um, well done in the oh, French Oaks as well, Nashua. And um, I did put up um, the Bedfair um, um, 
social media put up last night that she is Holly Doyle value for the uh, sports personality of the year, 25 to 1 after what she did. And I just said no, mainly because I think Ronnie O'Sullivan is, is going to win it. And Matthew Fitzpatrick is going to join the party after his win at the US Open last night at Brookline. And there will be more achievements. I think Holly Doyle needs to do more than that mm. uh, to be a serious contender. That's the reason why I said it. 25 to 1. She's 25 ah, to 1 for a reason. Who cares, you? Who, who cares? cares? Who cares? City who cares? popularity contest. On she's our show. Holly and she's brilliant. I'm voting, I'm voting for John Gosden. Go on, Gosden. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you, you, know, you know Holly Doyle's half a Tipperary woman. Her dad's yeah. from Clamell. Yeah. Yeah. So we yeah. so we, we can claim her. The, the, no, the, the, no. The, the, the Brits will be quick to will be quick to claim one of ours. <laughs> yeah, one wrong doesn't two wrongs don't make a right. Okay, listen, I love the holly from last night. And um, right, then, that's um got wrapped up and I hope you enjoyed the last week or so. Uh, we're back with racing only better this weekend. Plenty more racing to come. Gamble responsibly as always, and we'll talk to you on Thursday. <laughs>